welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Burn, tell him, neighbor, I'm glad you're in church today. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, who's happy to be in the house of God today? Amen. I know I am. There's no place I would rather be than Florida in the, in, in the, in the church of the living God. Amen. Amen. Hey, I just, I just want to tell you, this last week we celebrated Brandy's 40th birthday. Amen. And she looked good for 40. And uh, uh, I always tell people this all the time. She's the show horse. I'm like the beat up ranch horse. And uh, I'm thankful that she's still with me. Amen. But, uh, uh, and I just, we just came to tell you, we're going to be here for another couple of months just to get things in order. And God's called us to go to Florida. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But uh, I wish the Lord did that. Uh, No, I didn't. I I love you guys. And I'm so thankful that God has called us to Arena of Life Church in Windy, Amarillo, Texas. And I got good news for you that the... Groundhog did not see his shadow, so we're going to have an early spring. That's the good news. The bad news is he's only right 30% of the time. So the groundhog is a liar. If you haven't been here uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the choice is yours. And staff, uh, I haven't been with my staff all week. I told you this was my last message, but I got one more in me. And that's just how it goes. When, when the Lord gives me something and I start off on these messages, I'm like, man, I want to preach 27 of them, all right? But how many of y'all have gotten something over the last couple of weeks out of the choice is yours? And how many of y'all know the choice is really ours? I, I, I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about uh, on some things of how many of y'all know there's some stuff in your life that you know you shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway? Like I'm going to pick on the ladies for a second. You look at that pair of shoes. It's a beautiful pair of shoes. But you know this, you're going to need to see a chiropractor for three weeks. I just want to tell you as a guy, we could care less what your shoes look like. You might as well be comfortable. Amen? You might as well be comfortable. But you're like, oh, these shoes are so cute. But yeah, but you're crooked as a question mark for three weeks after you wear them. Listen, I don't care what my feet look like. I wear hokas. Come on, can I get an amen for the hokas out there? They're like the Frankenstein shoe of, you know, I, I feel like I look like Herman Must. Mustard. Munster, Herman, Mu- ooh, 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 ooh. although they've made, they have made hokas look a little more prettier now, but how many of y'all know your feet are just happy and carefree inside those hokas? And I don't care if they're ugly. Praise the Lord if they're ugly. All right. But they're making them a little bit better. You know, there's some things also in life, like uh, I, I was thinking about it, you know, when your, your kids are little, dad, when I do this, it hurts really bad. We'll stop doing that. It's like, son, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to communicate to you. You have the choice. I, I remember Catch when he was little, or he still does this, but he's been a flipper his whole life, hadn't he? He learned how to do backflips on the couch and, and doing them off the couch and on the floor. And I remember one time he was jumping off the couch way out there. He said, Dad, when I do that, it hurts right here. And I'm like, well, stop doing that if it hurts. How many of y'all know there's some things in life you have the choice? Like when you're at Wonderland with the kids and you see the cyclone, you think you're not... 19 anymore, but you want to go with the kids, and you know, I'm really going to pay for this. This last week, we were at uh, uh, Disney World on Wednesday, and we were at Epcot, and they have this ride called um, 
uh, mission to Mars, and the first one's mission to Earth, and it tells you, it says if you go on this ride, you know, it has, it, it'll make you a little seasick, but if you go on mission to Mars, it'll really get after it. Well, Brandy did, wanted to go mission to Earth, so we did mission to Earth, and afterwards we were waiting for a line, and it was me and Billy McLaughlin, who grew up in the youth here, and he was with us. He said, I've never rode it. Let's go on it. And it's this deal where you feel like you get an Apollo, and you sit, and, and they give you all this mission. Of course, it's Disney Excellence, and it tells you you're going on this mission to Mars. And I was going to be the pilot, and Billy was going to be the conductor, and you have so on and so forth in there. And you get inside of this spaceship, and it is legit. Like, you get in it, it locks you in real tight. You have all these little buttons, you know, that you've got to press, and you have the screen in front of you. It's virtual. And what it does is when you first get in it, it locks it back, and you can see down the end of this rocket ship. And, and uh, as soon as we got in it, I had wrote it like eight years ago, and I remember at that time thinking, why did I ride this afterwards? <laughs> so then I'm sitting in there with Billy. Billy's never wrote it before, and I'm like, Billy, it just hit me. This ride sucks. <laughs> so we're inside of there, and listen, it's, so you're in this deal, and you got, you know, four people in it, and it spins so hard, y'all. Like, you really feel like you're going 6,000 miles an hour. And we're in it, and Billy, <laughs> Billy goes, what is going on? I mean, my head was stuck to the back. I'm, like, grabbing my hair, trying to pull it off the thing there. And I literally, right when we were about to take off into space, the final frontier, as we were taking off into space, I was thinking to myself, why did I do this? And then finally it stopped. You know, we started floating in the air, and I start, like, gagging. I start coughing because I feel like, you know, all of, all of my organs are coming out the back of the seat, being sucked, you know, up, up into space there. And, and when getting off of that, I felt so woozy. But here's the deal. As I was getting on the ride, I was thinking, this is a bad choice. But I was making the choice anyway. How many of y'all know there's a lot of things in life that we go ahead and make that choice to do something when we know it's not the right choice for us? Whether it be out of convenience or it might just be because that's what we've done forever. How about in 2024, let's just shake the, rattles, the, the, the nest a little bit. And not just do things because that's what we do. Let's do things because we're going to be led by God going into the next year. We're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so the first week I talked about Matthew 6.33. And I, I, the reason I tell you this, because we all need to be reminded every single week. Seek ye first. First. Number one. This is what you're supposed to do. First. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The second one was this, change happens when change happens, kind of like what we're talking about today. The third one was talking about making the choice to be in the house of God. The Bible says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The, the fourth thing uh, that we talked about was our thoughts, just because we can't control whether a bird flies over our head, but we, I can and I will control whether or not he builds a nest inside of it. Like I am going to control my, I'm going I'm to cast all my care on you for you care for me. I can't control what, what has came inside my head, but I can control whether or not it'll stay there and bring root to something in my life. Amen. 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 And if you were here last week, I talked about the tithe. We're going to make the choice to tithe in 2024. I know this, that you may say, I can't afford to tithe. You can't not afford to tithe. And you know, I was thinking about it after the service last week. I was thinking to myself, like, I, it's always so hard because I know some people, 
or, you know, whatever, about the tithe. You know what? I, the Lord got on to me. He said, son, you ought to preach that two and three times a year, not just once, because it'll save people's life. And I believe that with all of my heart. But how many of y'all know, just talking about the things we talked about this morning, in life, you have a choice in things. And the reason I say choice, because sometimes life is like a pinball machine. Can I just be honest? You feel like God pulls it back, boom. How many of y'all know what a pinball machine is? That's like one of the only working things in the arcade at Wonderland if you go. All right? So I was in there playing the arcade, but sometimes in life, how many of y'all know sometimes it's, it's the phone call that ding, it hits you, right? Or it's the diagnosis, boom, that hits you to the right. Or sometimes you get stuck up in that corner and it's like one thing right after the other. How many of y'all have ever felt like life has been like that before? It's like you're like a human pinball machine. My thing is this. I can't control what kind of wall I go up against, but I can control whether or not it gets on the inside of me. I can control that, and I will control that. You don't, you don't, you don't have to control, you don't have control on what happens, but you do have control on how you respond. Just like I said a while ago, in, before we got it started this morning, chaos may be happening all around me, but I'm not going to let chaos get on the inside of me. I'm going to under, uh, <clears throat> and, and, I, and I know this, there, there's people in the room that always will say this, but pastor, you don't know the situation, you don't know the betrayal, you don't know the hurt that I've gone through, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not downplaying any of that, because I have compassion for the situation or whatever it is, and I promise you, if you hook your faith with ours, we'll believe God for you to get out of that. I'm not downplaying that, but I am saying this, 1 John 4.4. 4, says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm going to say that one more time. Greater is he that is in me. Is the thing around you great? Yes. Is, my, is your marriage on the rocks, is it great? Yes. Is the diagnosis from the doctor great? Yes, it may be. Is the lawyer, what he called you and told you in the situation that you're up against, is it great? Yes, it is. But I just want to tell you, greater is he. That is in you than he that is in the world. You know, I was thinking about it this week. I don't know if you've ever seen a submarine. I've only seen one time in real life up on a dock. But they're an amazing, amazing piece of machinery. They're huge. And just the fact of being inside of a steel tube two miles below the earth. I'm talking like a real one. Not one that you run by a PlayStation controller that you go down to see the Titanic in. I'm talking like one that the U.S. Navy has, Russians have. And they go two miles below the sea. But you know what's amazing? They have to have, I'm talking feet of steel. I, I mean, this thick or more of steel all the way around. You know why? Because when you go two miles below the sea, that's a lot of water pressure. But you know what's amazing to me? From two miles below, they've taken pictures of fish that don't have to have a wall of steel. You know why? Because the same pressure that's on the outside, they've built up on the inside. You know what that tells me? Greater is he that is in me. Are you getting, it, getting that? The pressure on the inside of the, those fish is equal to the pressure of the water around them. And you know, as I look at this scripture here in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, 
Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. That's the beauty of Christianity. Some people erect massive walls to insulate themselves from the attacks of the enemy. Only to find themselves filled with the frustration of isolation. I've been offended. I put up a wall. I've been hurt. I put up a wall. I've been deserted. I put up a wall. I've, uh, you know, I've been depressed, so I put up this wall. The key is not to put up a massive wall to protect you from the enemy, but to realize the one inside you is greater than whatever pressure threatens to attack you. See, when we understand that he, that he that is in us is greater than any temptation, problem, he's greater than any trauma or difficulty that could come up against us, we can move through life freely. Amen? Think about Psalm 23. And again, I'm saying this. I'm pointing out the fact. I'm not saying the situation that you're going through is not great. I'm just saying this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's why Jesus said this. It's not what's on the outside of the cup that defiles man. It's what's on the inside. How I many all know it's important? How about in 2024 we feed our inner man and not the outer man? In Psalm 23, I love this, just thinking about it. And, and those of you that have heard me preach on this before, he really tells us in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things be added unto you. In verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. See, when the Lord is the shepherd of your life, he gives ten promises throughout chapter 23. The promise of provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. That's provision. He lets me lie down in green pastures. That's protection. He leads me beside still waters. That's peace. He restores my soul. How many of y'all thankful we serve the God of restoration? He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He guides me. How many of y'all know when he says, the Holy Spirit says, go to the left, you should go to the left. When he says, go to the right, you should go to the right. It, it, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We have a confidence when he is the shepherd of our life. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort us. The correction that God gives us. How many of y'all know we need to be corrected? But in verse 5, this is where I'm going. And the whole point is, keep your eye on the shepherd and you will make it through the valley. Verse 5 is this. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. How many of y'all know that when times get tough and great things are happening all around you, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? I believe this says, I mean, just on the practical side of this, there's times when we go through something that's so hard and so tough that you don't even have an appetite. He's saying this, that no matter what kind of chaos is going around me, I'm going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to know that God is for me and he is not against me. Because greater is he that is in me. Go ahead and pass the beef. Pass the beef. Pass the, I'm going to eat the beef today. Even though chaos is happening all around me, I know this because I've made him the shepherd of my life. And I have no wants. I have no needs. I, I, he prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. There may be enemies all around the table, that, but that's not going to affect what's happening, the jitters on the inside of me. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then he said, certainly goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the promise. Ten promises of God. With the Lord as your shepherd of your life, provision, protection, peace, restoration, guidance, confidence, correction, prosperity, anointing, and promise. Give God praise for that. Amen. So today, I want to talk about this. The choice is yours. 
How about in 2024, let's choose joy. No matter what happens. No matter what happens. I'm not going to be led by the circumstances. I know this. I'm going to have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And just a while ago, I I told you, I kind of got to get ahead of myself, and I told you the gateway drug to joy is uh, gratitude. And the Bible tells us this in Psalm 100 and verse 4. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And Psalm 1611 says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. See, if you need a hit of joy, some of y'all did not pass the test. This morning, you needed a hit of joy. You came in here crabby, upset, had a fight with him or her in the parking lot. You came in here like a grouch. If you need a hit of joy, how many of y'all know the test of where you get that hit is in God's presence is fullness of joy. So enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You all, we had the opportunity to do that this morning. I'm going to sing. Of the goodness of God. You're not going to sing of the goodness of the Congress of the United States of America. Come on, right? You're not going to sing of the goodness of the, the house, right? Uh, the house, you know, the one in Austin or the one in the Congress. You, you, you're not going to sing it, I promise you, unless you got bumped in the head somewhere. And uh, you're not going to sing that. But can I tell you what? You're always going to sing of the goodness. Come on. When everybody else around me, God is good and his mercy endures forever. When everybody else failed me, he never leaves me and he never forsakes me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you need just a little hit of joy, you need to be reminded that 2,000 years ago, he might have died on the cross, but on the third day when everybody said he would never come back, he rose again. I know it's not Easter, but every day is Easter for me. Come on, how many of y'all know if you need a hit of joy? Can I just speak real to y'all this morning? Get that hit. Get that hit of joy. If you want it, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his holy and precious name. In God's presence is fullness of joy. So I know that if I need joy, I've got to get in his presence. And if I'm going to get in his presence, I got to have a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness. No matter what's happening all around me. Are you guys awake this morning? Come on. Let's have joy. I know I've preached on joy many times before, but I just felt we needed a recap. Here's another gateway to joy is praise. The Bible tells us, Hebrews 13 and verse 15, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. How many, in order to have praise, your lips have got to get involved. The reason some of y'all are not walking in joy is because you need to just listen out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. Remember, greater is he that is in me. Your heart is in you. And so if you got bad stuff coming out, it always blows me away. I could preach on confession, and at the end of the service, somebody come up to me and confess sickness over their life. I'm telling you, you're never going to hear it out of my mouth. I am the healed of the Lord. I will always be prosperous. I will walk in healing and in health. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above only, and I'm not beneath. 
I'm not doing that to be crazy. I'm not doing that to be psychic. I'm doing this because I know the word says death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Come on. I'm speaking truth right now. So I'm telling you this praise is external. You have to open your mouth in order to do it. So if you need a hit of joy, you need to open your mouth not to the things that are taking joy away from you that are bringing joy to you. How many of y'all know praise or, or prayer is a gateway to joy? Amen. Prayer is. Amen. People in your life. I know this is brand new information. All right? You're already struggling with it? Maybe the call to the mother-in-law is not the best choice. Right? Maybe the call to that friend you know that friend that you've had forever? They are really like an old ball and chain. I'm, they're with me because, you know, been with them a long time, blah, blah, blah. But you know, all they do, all you ever do is bring me down, making me a fool all over town. Heidi's singing it over there. She knows every word, right? Sorry to point you out, Heidi. But was I right? Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. You rise and fall the love of your friends. And that's where I'm going next week. We're going to make the choice to have the right relationships in our life. But this, this can be a game changer in your walk with Christ. Birds of a feather flock together. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But also we have killjoys. There's some things that just kill our joy. They play in Dallas. And it, I'm kidding. I'm really not, but <laughs> pray for me, Lawrence. Oh, I'm just being truthful. How many of y'all know a killjoy? This is number one killjoy. Sin is a killjoy. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My whole point is this. You, you will absolutely never walk in fullness of joy. If there is sin in your life. Because what you're always trying to do is hide that. Cover it up. All throughout scripture he gives us detail after detail of people with sin in their life. It's impossible for you to walk in victory when there's sin in your life. When you're doing life your way and not God's way. That's sin. And it's going to take away from you joy. Here's another one. I've never said this before. But as I learn people and be around people... I've understood this. You know what a big killjoy is? Selfishness. It's a biggie. In fact, there's a, a, a book I read at the beginning of the year. I couldn't find it. But it's, he was talking about the, theology and science. And he said, that, he said the opposite of joy is not depression. It's actually narcissism. Because... You can't have joy when you're only focused on yourself. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, he said, Think highly of the interests of others, lowly of the interests of yourself. Because how many of y'all know God's ministry is people? And you are people, yes. But people that are only focused about me and me and me and me this and me that. Selfishness is a killjoy. I, I, I've been reading this story, winning friends and influencing people 
we're reading as a staff. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was this story that he talked about of uh, Abraham Lincoln. And in, in the story, we know this, that the Battle of Gettysburg was fought during the first three days of July in, in, in uh, 1863. And during the night of July 4th, uh, the American Confederate General Robert E. Lee, um, he began to retreat southward while the storm clouds were building up and there was rain that was coming everywhere. So the rivers began to fill up. And when he reached the Potomac River... Uh, with his really defeated army, there's lots of things that happened up until the Gettysburg where Robert E. Lee actually had a pretty, he was outnumbered in so many ways. And he found this swollen river of the Potomac and a victorious union that was coming up behind him. And Lee was in a trap. And he, he really, he couldn't escape. And Lincoln saw that. And so he writes to General Meade, of the Union Army, and he says this, this is where you get him in the corner, and this is where you take him out, and this is going to be the end of the war. But Meade didn't do that for some odd reason. He didn't know. And so one night, he saw, Lincoln is talking to his son Robert, and he said, you know, we wouldn't even be in the rest of this civil war if Meade would have taken my action and done exactly what I told him to do. And so a frustrated Lincoln, the President of the United States, now the war is going on, Lee gets away, he sits down and he writes this letter to Meade. He said, my dear general, <clears throat> I do not believe you appreciate the magnitude of the misfortune involved in Lee's escape. He was within our easy grasp and to have closed upon him would and would in connection with our other late successes have ended the war immediately. As it is, the war will be prolonged indefinitely. If you could not safely attacked Lee last Monday, how can you possibly do, do so south of the river when you, are, when, you, when you can take with you very few, no more than two-thirds of the force you then had in hand? It would be unreasonable to expect, and I do not expect that you can now affect much. Your golden opportunity is gone, and I am distressed immeasurably because of your actions and because of this." You know what Meade did when he got the letter? He did nothing because he didn't get the letter. The reason they even know about the letter is because they opened it up. It was addressed to Meade, and they opened it up after he was shot, you know, in Ford, Ford Theater by, uh, by Booth. And they were going through his things, and they found that. And in his journal, Lincoln said this. I wanted to send the letter to Meade, but I didn't because I felt like it was a selfish thing to do. I don't know where Meade is. I don't know the blood that he has on his nostrils. I don't know the gun smoke in the air. I don't know all the pressures that he's had in his life. And so rather than focusing on, on what I want, maybe I ought to be a good leader and see what he needs. You know, I'm just here to tell you, joy could have been taken away from Lincoln, and Lincoln was a great leader to this nation. You know why Lincoln was great? Because he didn't focus on his needs. He focused on the needs of the American people, which we need today. But my whole point is this. What a story of how many times we think it's about us when in reality we're, what we're doing is we're, we don't know the whole situation. Your joy is being robbed from a post on Facebook that you don't know all the details. You don't know exactly what they went through. 
Your, your joy is being robbed. You don't know what's going on inside of that home. So rather than pointing fingers and losing your joy over something, how about you lift them up to God and God bless your every need? Come on, are you guys awake this morning? So there's, to, there's some things throughout the word that this last week I've been meditating on. Actually, I was meditating on relationships. I'm not going to lie to you. And yesterday, as I sat down, the Lord changed my word. Because I believe this is for somebody today. In Philippians chapter 1, we know the story here of how Paul is imprisoned. And he's writing to the church at Philippi. And really throughout, there's more scriptures on joy in, in all of Philippians than there is anywhere else in the New Testament or the Old Testament. But there's three things that I wrote down from the text that we read this morning. And the first one comes from verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Also, too, if you have it in New King James, if you put it up there, because there's something in there that I want to point out, if you've got it. But uh, the first one is this, if you're taking notes. Okay, verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually, everybody say actually, turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So number one is this, if we're going to choose joy, number one is this. In your situation, make the choice to look beyond what happened. Make the choice to look beyond what has happened. The reason that I wanted you to have the New King James up there, because there's a word in there that I like. How many of y'all know, if you've dealt with kids or dealt with people in general, there is what has happened and there is what has actually happened? Right? I mean, I dealt with teenagers forever. And I know this, the things that they would tell their parents, I'm like, you need to sit down because your son lied to you. That is not what actually happened. See, I believe our joy gets stolen from us because all we do is get focused on what happened. Where Paul here is saying, I'm going to walk in joy, even though I know all around me I'm stuck in prison and everything is messed up. And I know that I could just look at things in the natural, but I'm going to choose to have joy and look ahead into the supernatural. Because I don't know... I know what has happened, but I know there is something that God is doing that has actually happened now as I sit here. I know that God is making a way where there needs to be, where there was no way. I know that God is opening doors of favor that I couldn't open unless this particular event happened. And I may not see it if all I do is look right here. But I'm going to choose to look beyond what is happening and see what has actually happened in the faith. Come on, are you guys awake this morning? Like, I, I, it actually looks like three men are going into the fire. But what actually has happened, there's a fourth man in the fire, and it's the Son of God that is going to save them through it. Come on, are you guys awake this morning? I hope you take this in, because I know this, the, the thing that steals people joy is not what is... Uh, actually happen it's only what is happening when you can actually get to a place in your life that in the natural it says this on paper in the natural the phone call I heard this in the natural this is where it looks like we're going but I know this in the supernatural he works all things together for my good who love God called according to his purpose I know what the enemy meant for evil God's going to turn around and make it for good. 
what actually has happened is I'm in prison and there is a baker and a cupbearer that's going to open the door for me to be with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is going to open the door for my brothers to come to town, which is going to open the door for me to be back with my brothers and my dad again. See, what actually has happened looks like chains. What actually has happened, how about this? It's like this. What, uh, uh, just like the whale was Jonah's deliverance, the staff was Moses' deliverance, the rock was David's, chains were Paul's. Think about that. And you might be in a chain moment right now, but what God is doing is setting all the puzzle pieces in place for there to be a victory in your life. So if you came in here downtrodden thinking about what is happening... I just want you to fix your attention on what is actually happening. Here's number two. Let's read it. Verse 13, 14. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the Praetorian Guard and everyone else. And that most of the brothers and sisters trusting the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So number one, I'm going to make the choice to look beyond what happened. But right here, verses 13 and 14, I'm going to, I'm going to make the choice to see the redirect. The redirect. I'm going to make the choice to see. I was going in this direction, but the Lord wanted me to pivot might be friends, fans in the room. <laughs> Pivot. He said, Paul said, my plan was to go to Rome. But God had a better idea. Like there may be some plans in your life that have fell through. Don't blame God. You might be, you might be thanking him before this is all over. Come on. That if you would have went and did that. So he brought Rome to me in the form of soldiers changed to me chained to me around the clock. So every six hours, a different one comes on duty, and he's getting saved. Members of the guard, they return to the palace where they influence their their very heart to the Roman system, and they get saved. See, I could look at this and say, you know what? God put me here. How many of y'all know the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy? If you're really feeling sorry for yourself, read the book of Job. Right? You'll be thankful for everything you got. Everything. Well, I'm reading it right now. I can't wait for it to be over. But the whole point is, is sometimes, just like Paul did, he said, I was, all, all I was doing, God, was what you called me to do. I was headed to Rome. I was preaching the gospel. The hand of God was all over me. And what happened? They threw me into jail. So rather than feeling pity... He redirected, said, God, you put me here for a reason. This is going to give me time to write a great letter to the Philippian church. This is going to give me time for every Roman guard that comes in here. God, you put my, Rome on my heart, but you brought Rome to me in form of soldiers. And now that they're here, I'm going to preach the gospel to them. And so you may have redirected me, but these guards are going to get saved. And they're going to go up to the lieutenants, and they're going to get saved. And their people are going to be influenced. It's not going to waste. I know, God, you've redirected me. 
I know I had this vacation planned. I know I had this business planned, but something happened. How about rather than losing joy over it, we stay greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and said, God, you put this in my life to open my eyes to see and my ears to hear. Come on, am I talking somebody's language this morning? How many of y'all know we've just gone through some things? There's some things that still to this day that have happened in our marriage and our life that I just don't get. Like, why? But now I look back and say God's hand has been on it every step of the way. Every step of the way. So rather than losing face, getting grumpy, making everybody in your household hate you, why don't you take that pivot moment and said, God, you're setting me up for success. And I'm going to choose not to look in the natural of what's happening around me. I'm going to look in myself of greater is he that is in me and see through the eyes of faith the supernatural things that you're making a way for. All right. I thought I was going one direction, but God turned it around for good. Here's the last one. Band, if you want to go ahead and come on up here. It was too fast, wasn't it? It's too fast. Here's the last one. Verses 15 through 18. Y'all getting something out of the word this morning? <clears throat> I hope you are. So Paul says this. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. I want you to think about this. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. Meaning they're preaching it from a level of me, me, me. I'll tell you right now, probably the most narcissistic people that I know, maybe preachers, of what they want. And he's just saying this, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives thinking they, they are causing me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. I'm reading this slow, so I hope you take in every word. So he's basically saying this. He's saying my whole heart is, Romans 1.16 says... I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. People in the prison have received the gospel and have received Jesus. And there's people out there, they're doing it the wrong way, but people are still getting saved. How many of y'all know there's power in the gospel? There's people out that's doing it wrong. I promise you, it may not look biblical. It may not be right. But there is power. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't care what their life looks like. There's power in the gospel. The presentation may be off. But as long as they get the gospel part right, people are going to get saved. Right? And so he's saying, you know what? And there's some of you out there, your joy gets taken from you because people don't do it your way. That's selfishness. You know, I, I could do the same thing. I go through TikTok. People do it all the time. Every single video that Cody 
posts of me on TikTok, somebody has to say something. Beware of the false preachers out there. I could say that probably about 95% of them. But you know what? I'm not focused on what they do. I'm focused on what God's called me to do. And some of y'all, you've lost your joy. So here's the, here's the third one. You've lost your joy because you're focused on everybody else. Make the cho- choice to focus on what really matters. I'm going to say it again. There's some of you, you lose your joy every single day when you scroll through Facebook. Just because that's the way so-and-so parents her kid, you're losing your joy. Think about that. You don't even like that person. No, I'm being serious. This is, this, is, this is the world. This is the reality that we're living in. You know what makes me sad? It makes me sad when I see young people making stupid financial decisions. It all, almost just like burns me. You don't need that. You don't need that. And I want to so bad call them and tell them, you don't need that. Don't be an idiot. But you know what? And, and it, could, it, could, it can come to a place, other things that just like, oh my gosh, why? And there's some people that take it even further and you just bask on it, and bask on it, and bask on it, and bask on it. They don't even live in your home. They don't even live inside your house. They don't even live inside your neighborhood. There's some of you, what really matters is not 10 years ago. What really matters is not five years ago. What really matters is not even yesterday. What matters is right now. Supernatural. Man, I hope somebody gets this word this morning. Because some of you are fixing your thoughts on things that are not noble, are not pure, and not of a good report. You're thinking of the past. Are you going to make the choice on focus on what really matters? Paul said... What does it really matter? What does it really matter? There's people that come to me, Pastor, have you seen this ministry? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And there's sometimes like, yes, yes. Well, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're doing that. Listen, they're getting unbiblical. That's one thing. But here's the deal. God's called me to pastor this church. And can I tell you this? God's called you to be in this house. I really want you to go and listen. Me and T. Barry did a podcast together about the church. I dare you to go listen to it. It's full of some great stuff. But here's the point. This is what I don't understand in, in today's market of people, believers. Just getting off the subject. And, and I heard this from Nancy Dufresne. But when I leave church, my workplace or the barn, and when I'm headed home, I pass a lot of houses, a lot of them, like a bunch. And I never think to myself, in fact, I, I pass the Zimmers house lots of times. And as much as I love the Zimmers, I don't have spiritual authority in their home. As close as I am to Mark and Jill and love them, it would be weird if it wasn't Ryan or Reed just walking in the door going to the pantry. If I walked in, I'm sure you guys wouldn't mind. I might do it tomorrow to see how y'all do. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 I don't do that because I, I don't have a spiritual jurisdiction in that house. 
I pass other great friends that I have. But you know what home that I have spiritual jurisdiction in? My house. And you know what spiritual jurisdiction you have? This house. And there's people that are like drug addicts on churches. They go to this church and that church and this church and that church and this church and that church. You don't have spiritual jurisdiction in those churches. You have one in this one. No, I'm being serious. The church has become a bunch of cheaters. And it's sad and it's sickening and I hate it. You need to be faithful to your house, loyal to your house. Heard somebody say, well, I'm, I'm going to tithe half, half of my, I said this last week, I'm going to tithe half of my money to this church and half of this. No, 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 no. Read the word of God. You tithe the one house your spiritual jurisdiction is. So this is what Paul is saying. Do all those things really matter? Does it really? Does it? No. What matters is, is God has given me a pen and a paper. He's given me time to sit in here, to write things like rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Hey! You know what really matters? What really matters is that he died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. It doesn't really matter how we do baptism. It doesn't really matter of how we gather, take up the offering, or you put it in buckets in the back. It doesn't really matter what color the carpets are. It doesn't really matter what's on the paint. What really matters is the gospel of Christ being preached. That's what matters. That's what really matters. And so I'm going to focus on what really matters. You know what really matters to Travis? What really matters to Travis is Brandy. What really matters are my kids. What really matters are my dogs. What really matters is my house. What really matters is my time with the Lord. What really matters. Listen, some of y'all are losing joy because there's some of you, your kids have gotten married. Nowhere in scripture does it say that they, they actually leave you and they cleave to their spouse. Whether or not they have you a part of it is up to them. Some of y'all need to hear that. And I'm going to tell the kids, it's important you have your parents in your life to honor your father and mother. That be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. But there's some of you, you're, you're, you feel like the puppet matter, you, uh, puppet master. You're not. What really matters, what really matters is that you rejoice. <laughs> you rehearse. So that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to rehearse. I'm going to rehearse all the good things that God has done to me. All the things that God has done for me. Some of y'all, let's just go ahead and stand to our feet this morning. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to rehearse in your head. I want you to rehearse all the things. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. See, I, at this, I could focus on so many things. Close your eyes with me. I could focus on so many things. But when I focus on Christ being preached, that's when I get joy. I'm going to rehearse God's goodness, and that's going to lead to re-joy. Re-joy. Don't let the enemy tell you this is what you did on Tuesday. This is what you did on Sunday. This is what you did five years ago. This is where you messed up in the marriage, parenting. This is where you messed up. No, 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 no. I know you messed up. 
but his mercy is new every single morning. His grace is sufficient for you. So I'm going to rehearse grace and regain joy. I'm going to rehearse mercy and I'm going to regain joy. I'm going to rehearse the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rejoice in my life. It can't help but bring a smile to my face. It can't help but put a skip in my step. It can't help but bring me to a place of victory in my mind, in my spirit, my mind, my soul, my body. So right now in Jesus' name, I speak a blanket of joy over your people now. I speak a covering of joy. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. I pray that joy is rising up. Unspeakable and full, full, full. Not halfway, but over the top, overflowing joy right now in Jesus' name. Unspeakable and full of glory. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Strength. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're in the room today and you're away from God, you need to come back to Him. If that's you, I talked about sin. You won't have joy in your life. The sin is in your life. It'll block you from being who God's called you to be. Wages of sin is death. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. The response is you. So if that's you and say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I need to come back to him. Just lift your hand and say, you know what, that's me. Praise God. Amen. I believe everybody's saved. Y'all look at me. Who needed this word today? Obviously, I did because God gave it to me for you. Amen. Let's rehearse joy. Re-joy. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Music.